0: Uh, It's kind of funny because as I first walked in we were kind of joking about uh, I'm really not the handiest guy and I just continue to prove that to myself. So enjoy me as I humor myself. As we get started let me remind you of the disciplines Uh, and I know when I was here in January one thing I wanted to remind all of us of is these disciplines in this ministry have never changed. I can't foresee them ever changing. The, the, the disciplines that we teach from every week in Wellspring is one is that you would be ladies that are caring well for your heart, that you are allowing God's word into your heart, into your mind, you are allowing God's word to inform you of how to live. And, and that fits into the second discipline, because primarily for all of you, and all of us do have a home here, but how does that impact your, your life at home? How does that infect, affect your relationships with, with spouses, with roommates, with children? Our time in the word must impact how we're living. Our time in the word must impact our trust in God, in the Lord, for all situations, all trials, all circumstances. And and once a lady or a man has cared well for their heart, it's impacted their home, they're now ready to minister wherever God may have places for them to minister. It may be in a coffee shop with a friend. It may be in a small group. But, but here's the thing, we are not ready to walk into one another's lives until we have cared for our own hearts, our own minds. It has made an impact in our home. And therefore, we are now ready to go outside of our home and to wherever God may have ministry for us. I know Scott, an analogy, and I love it, and it's so clear. Uh, it's the leapfrog effect of leaping over your heart, even leaping over your home to go do what you think God may have for you. God's word is clear. The first place we start is in our own mind. It is we seek him first. And and so often it's so easy in the tyranny of the urgent to just leapfrog right over that. Uh, guys, it, that's why it is called a discipline, because apart from it becoming a discipline in your life, it is easy for us just to leapfrog. But let me, before we get started, I'm just curious, how many were here when I taught in January? Okay. I did teach kind of what would be the part one of this message back in January. Uh, The scary thing is I'm going to give you a quick review that how I can spoke for an hour and 15 minutes, and now I can do it in just a few. Uh, that's scary, but let me just give you a quick review. Of, and, and I taught from Galatians 5:22 and 23, the, the fruit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And I'm going to just briefly just remind us all, because it's going to become kind of important as we get to the middle part of what I want to talk to you about today. And the fruit of the Spirit, I, I will read it, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. First, this love. It is a biblical love. It's an action. It's the same love in Scripture when you see the name of God, either pronoun or his name, and love is in there, the context. This is the type of love it is. It's a god that gives of himself, a God that would send his his son to die. It, this is the same love we are called to. We are called to die to self. And joy, 70 times in Scripture, in the New Testament, you'll find the word joy in almost every time. The context is based on the reality of our spiritual connection to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So often we look for joy in our circumstances, but that is not biblical joy. We're talking about the joy that comes from our relationship with Christ. Peace, and again, I'm I'm going fast. Uh, Almost every time in the New Testament when you see the word peace, in the near context, within two, three verses max, you will see that the context is that peace always comes from God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we look for peace in just a quiet day and oh Lord give me some peace we were never designed to look for peace from our circumstances we, we look for and we receive peace from Jesus Christ patience is being able to to just bear with one another in the same way that the Lord has bared with us uh, we bear with one another uh, goodness it's when we have what's best for the other person. Uh, we put the other person before us. We serve others in our goodness. Faithfulness—it's loyalty and trustworthiness. Uh, gentleness. Uh, again, this word continues to impact my impact my brain and thinking. Gentleness is the ability to sit back and just say, "God, I know you're in control of this." And self-control, and it's the ability to have mastery over our passions, our desire. It's the picture of Romans 6. We we are new, We we were slaves to sin, and now we're slaves to Jesus Christ. So with a brief overview of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit working in our life, I want to dive into the practical application of shepherding your heart. I realize that this is in the category of D1, that we're talking about your heart. And I would encourage you to take this lesson into other relationships. Uh, as I as I teach through this, I'll kind of point out some practicalities. But I, I would encourage you that you do first. You, you do evaluate yourself. But second, I would encourage you in relationships, maybe with a spouse, with a roommate, with, with your kids... I hope you see the practicalness of this lesson. It's interesting, you know, uh, the title of this is talking about shepherding your heart or shepherding my heart. It's kind of a buzzword that you'll frequently hear at Grace Bible Church. And I, I can remember back when I was a new believer, and uh, don't judge me by this, but I remember hearing terms like you need to have a quiet and too embarrassed to say, what do you mean by quiet Does that I mean, just be quiet. Or how about this one? Family devotions. And then they don't have tell you what it's like or what it, what a family devotion is. Uh, I, I can remember being a new believer, and you hear these words, and the first thing is kind of like, well, I don't want to, but everybody knows we don't know anything, so you don't ask. So let me be really clear to what shepherding your heart is. It's the time that you spend in God's word that you would know God, that that you would be close to the Lord. And then it's the time when your Bible is closed that you have the ability because of your time with the Lord that you can think rightly. As life is coming at you at full speed, you have the ability to put on right thought, the ability to put on thoughts that honor God. the the thoughts that make much of your relationship with the Lord. So when we talk about shepherding our hearts, we're talking about the time that we are in God's word and the time when the Bible is closed. Scripture has an expectation of all of us, and the expectation is that we are going to take good care of our hearts our minds the, the way we think there, there is an expectation from scripture that we will put on right thinking I think of just off the top of my head as I'm saying this Philippians 4 think about what is excellent what is noble what is praiseworthy in the midst of the trials and in the circumstances and situations in life we have to be prepared to think properly so, with with that in mind, uh, the, as the wellspring discipline implies, until you've cared well for your life, you, you can't even really begin to take care of the people around you. You can't take care of the people that you live with under your own roof. You uh, truly can't go out into ministry and, and be ministering to others. And again, I I have prayed that, what comes out of my mouth today would be an encouragement and a blessing to you. And if you, if I'm saying something you have a question, I'm okay with taking questions on the fly. So please don't hesitate to raise your hand or yell, hey, you, or something to get my attention. But uh, So feel free. I, I do want you to know that you can't ask questions, and, and it won't get me off track at all too much. The train always comes back around the same track that was my attempt at humor you can laugh if you think it's funny and if you don't think it's funny that's okay too uh, so here's what you should have you should in your handouts you should have It, it may maybe back to back you should have a sheet with a gray scale and a blue scale side you will have a very pretty pretty piece of paper with a lot of colors uh, it's really pretty, but it is kind of ugly when you read what the context is. And you'll, you'll have another uh, one that says at the top, talk to yourself. And if you don't have those to the back table, and you will find it. But uh, that is what we're going to be looking at. And uh, let me tell you where this message came from. Uh, actually, it... At the broadest sense, it came from having a cup of coffee with Scott Maxwell at a Paradise Bakery, and we were just talking about the sin that so easily entangles us. And this message comes from me evaluating my own heart and and the things that can cause wrong thinking. It comes from years of being a biblical counselor, of just sitting with people and and just hearing the, the struggle with, being in God's Word and applying God's Word to their own heart. And there's a large investment also of coffee at Starbucks, of just hanging out with Christians and just hearing people in life. What I am talking about today is not uncommon to any of us. I I, I hate to say this. I never get to graduate from the lesson I'm about ready to teach you. So... And, here, and here's what it is. Here's what I've seen. I've seen a pattern where a great desire, a really moral desire, changes from a desire and it becomes the thinking of, I deserve this. And in the midst of, I deserve this and I'm not getting it, I can demand it. Uh, it, it could be, if you're single, <clears throat> it, it could be that you desire a husband. After you ha- have a husband, then you're kind of wishing you had a more godly husband. Those are wonderful things. It could be you want a designer home. It could be you want a clean home. It, it could be that you want the people you live with to want a clean home too. <laughs> that was humor. Okay. Okay. You're catching on. You're you're quick. Okay. That's good. Uh, if you're if you're in the workforce, it- you might want a promotion. Uh, I I know I talk to so many. It's a desire for godly parents. It's a desire that for those of us that do not or did not have parents that were saved, it's a great desire. I just want my my parents to love Jesus. And what can happen in my heart when I don't get what is a great desire? Um, it, It could be a certain weight, a certain look. It could be friends. It may be friends that understand you. And I want to go to this one little handout now because those are all kind of tangible things that we could look at. And when I came across this sheet, I didn't come up with this. I'm not smart enough. I'm a researcher. I don't have a creative thought in here. But I saw this and I thought, wow, this really fits to the things we desire. We may desire to be appreciated. To be great, to be loved, accepted, or served. I, do, I just want to be happy. I uh, want to be in charge, approved of. I never want to hurt again. I want to be significant, comfortable, safe, respected, held in high regards. I desire to have control. I, I desire to be viewed as competent. There, there are so many things that could be a good desire. And by the time we do not apply God's word to our mind and to our heart, we we can make a mess out of even the most mundane of things. They are there are good things to desire. But what I have found in, in the midst of us not getting things we desire, we can be prone to be disappointed. And I have seen disappointment with what God has for a person end up into the full pursuit of sin. And that is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about shepherding your heart, is preparing your mind for battle for things that when God's plan A is not your plan A, I, I believe this message exposes the reality of Jeremiah seventeen nine, of how deceitful our heart can be. And, and I, I would really want you to know this message, I have to continually preach to myself. Uh, we, we never graduate from it. Uh, so I, I wouldn't want you to think, well, Tom has got this all figured out. I do not have this all figured out. I am a beggar, utterly dependent on the Lord, and I need his grace um, you know Paul in this second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse five calls believers he 's speaking to believers and he's saying, examine yourself, examine yourself to be sure that you're in the faith we, we are called to give continual examination to our mind, to our thought processes, to our life, how we 're living so I encourage you, if this message moves you, you use this to be uh, just evaluating, examining your own life. So, I'm going to go to your handouts now, uh, but let me start with a question. And and on the top of your first page of the handout, it should say, Shepherding my heart when my Bible is open. And here's the question. Why do you read the Bible? When, When you read the Bible, why do you do it? Go ahead and just take a moment and jot down anything that comes to mind of why you read God's Word. You may think it's just really, that's an odd question to ask. Uh, Why would you be asking me why I read Scripture? But I really believe if you have not asked yourself and answered this question before you open your Bible, uh, you may be setting yourself up to miss many blessings that the Lord may have for you in his word. Uh, So we must equip our heart and our mind with good answers to this important question. And here's a few of them. Uh, Again, on your handout, we come before God with our Bibles open. One, to grow in our knowledge of God. We grow in expressing our love for God. That is worship. If you're on a reading plan and you're up every day, and and I I realize some will tell me, I just feel sometimes like I'm just checking the box. Will you put this thought on as you're in God's Word and you might feel like you're checking God's box? We worship God by being in His Word. We we give Him glory by going to His Word. So although your heart may be having a hard time engaging with God's Word, I would want you to know you are worshiping God. And that should excite uh, all of us. To think that we have the ability to worship God. That that is amazing that he would include us in allowing us to worship him. Uh, We grow in our enjoyment and our delight in God. We grow in our fear of God. And and here's the thought there. Uh, It's Philippians 2.13 it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling work out your salvation utterly dependent on God we, we don't work out our salvation on our own merits we do it utterly dependent on the Lord we grow in our understanding of our need for God and we grow in our relationship with God and the primary hope in bringing this message is that we would all just grow in our holiness of life, that, that our life would look more holy as we emulate uh, our Savior. I hope the time that we spend together today will better equip you to recognize how you live in just patterns of sin in your life, and how you can fight sin when you see those patterns so far I have talked about shepherding your heart when your Bible is open I'm going to spend a lot of time now what should your time of shepherding your heart with your Bible open how should it impact how you shepherd your heart and how you think So the second point on your outline is uh, shepherding my heart throughout the day. That is, your Bible is closed. You're now going about your business. It is listening to myself, my thoughts, my reasonings. And and we're going to get there. That's the grayscale diagram. That's where we're going to go first. But I want to read a quote that I gave you that says, talk to yourself. Uh, This is from Paul Tripp. He's got some great reflection questions at the bottom. But uh, let me read this. No one is more influential in your life than you are, because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourselves. People laugh at that statement, but I'm really quite serious. You're in an unending, incredibly important conversation with your soul every minute of every day. You interpret, you organize, you analyze what's going on inside and outside of you. You talk to yourself about the past, talk to yourself about the future, you talk to yourself about what you are experiencing in the present. Obviously, this is an internal conversation. If you had this conversation out loud, you'd probably put into a ward. But that's why it's so dangerous. You often don't even realize that you're saying things to yourself. Let me repeat that. You often don't even realize that you are saying things to yourself, but you are. You're saying things to you that will shape your desires, your actions, your theology. What are you saying to you about God, about your circumstances? Do your words stimulate faith, hope, and courage? Or does your talk stimulate doubt, discouragement, and fear? Do you remind yourself that God is near? Or do you reason within yourself that, given your circumstances, He must be distant? Here's the question. How wholesome, faith-driven, Christ-centered is your conversation that you have with yourself every day? Do you remind yourself of your need? Do you point yourself once again to the beauty and the practicality of God's grace? Do you tell yourself to run toward Him? in those moments when you feel like running from him. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. What will you say to yourself today? I I pray that you would consider this uh, regularly. Uh, so much of our sanctification, unfortunately, is something that we have to continually go back to, continually be working on, I wish it was one time and, and we're done. But that that's we wouldn't really be dependent on the Lord, though. Are you okay having to be dependent on the Lord? Are you okay with having to be dependent on His grace? Because sometimes I think it's easy for us to live like, uh, I deserve better than this. So here we go. It's uh, back to your handout. It's the I desire, I deserve, I demand. Let's start here thinking biblically about desires. There, Like I pointed out, there are wonderful things to, to desire. But here's what thinking biblically about those desires, what they would look like. It would be 1 Peter 1.22. In the midst of your desire, what does it look like to love others? In the midst of your desire, is there a longing just to be near the Lord? And that, at Second Corinthians 5.2. 2 Corinthians 5.9, we make it our goal, we make it our aim to please Him. In the midst of whatever your desire may be for today, is your aim to be pleasing to the Lord? Ephesians 1.4 To be holy and blameless in His sight. I, I am just absolutely awed by those words when I think about in his sight. If I was to go out here and stand on the access road and look south towards Ray Road, uh, in my sight is an indicator of how near something is, especially at my age with these eyes. It gets a lot closer, and I say that as a joke, but the reality of it is is God desires us to be in his sight. God desires you and I to be near him near him in our, our time of pursuing him in word, in his word, desire of being near him in how we think, how God's word has impacted us to think. Hebrews thirteen twenty one, uh to be pleasing. Again, it's in his sight. It's it's near him and pleasing. So how do your desires line up with being pleasing to God in his sight? The second, I might hear myself tell myself throughout the day concerning my desires. I may hear, we may hear ourselves telling ourselves what I desire is what I really deserve. And what I deserve, I I can demand it. And the sad thing about this for all of us, that can be so subtle how that happens. Where we take a good desire, turn it into thinking that we deserve it, and then demanding it. Uh, When I get caught in the I deserve, I demand, I have to go back to those verses. Uh, How how does this fit in loving others? How does this fit in making it my goal to please Him? So if you catch yourself thinking you deserve something, if you find yourself demanding something, Go back to how am I loving others? It it could be something as subtle as here you are in your home and something just takes place and you respond in a very harsh manner. I mean, that is going, I want you to recognize that is, I desire this. I desire my child to act this perfect little way and it's not happening. And then the harshness that comes out of our heart, uh, the anger that comes out of our heart is ramping it from I have this desire, I deserve this, to I am now demanding it. And, and it can be so subtle. And as we work through these circles, you will see the subtlety of how we have to have our minds and our hearts informed with God's word that we can fight what uh, this battle we fight with sin within. So let me spend a little time explaining. First, we're going to start with the wrong way. That's the gray scaled one. And what you'll see there in, in bold on the, on the. I guess you'd call that 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. But what you'll see is disappointment, discouragement, and despair. Another word for despair, I think, would probably be more common would be depression. Uh, but, but here's what happens. We have a, a desire. We think we deserve. We've now made a demand that we're going to get it. And Romans 12, 16, we become wiser in our own estimation. We, we believe our plan A is much better than God's plan A. Uh, we can, Moving on that circle, uh, we become boastful. If you read Second Timothy 3, 2, it, it talks about being a lover of self. It talks about being boastful, proud, ungrateful, unholy. And in the midst of not getting what we think we deserve or what we're demanding, we become grumblers. Uh, Philippians 2.14. And I I know some of you have heard me say this before. Uh, Before Christ and still work on it. I'm a grumbler. I, 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 I can look at anything and be negative, pessimistic. I, I could grumble and complain about the weather. I could grumble and complain about traffic. I could grumble and complain about a line. I can grumble. I'm a grumbler. I can complain. And what, what you see here is the first red flag. I, consider these things red flags. If, you, if I am sensing disappointment, I, I need to be proactively shepherding my heart. Because what happens after disappointment is there can become bitterness, uh, disputing with others, a lover of self, selfish ambition. And I am going from being disappointed to being discouraged. And and I'm going to be truly honest with you. There's times where I can blow right past disappointment without even realizing I'm disappointed. I am well on my way to discouragement before... I catch hold that I am holding out for something that God does not want from me right now. And I'm thinking I deserve it. And, and here's the thing. I, on this corner right here, where it says lover of pleasure, I, I want to, to talk about that a little bit. Because we are well on our way to being disappointed. And here's what being a lover of pleasure, I think, can look like. Uh, and it, it could be much broader than this, but it could be, uh, when I am disappointed, when I am discouraged, I go shopping, uh, eating. It could be just wasting just huge amounts of time, TV or Internet, or excessive behaviors. It, it's It's the folks that are obsessed to just work a lot. It could be those that exercise a lot. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it, is, it can be any excessive behavior. That is what it is to be a lover of self. That I am now substituting what I should do for what is now comfortable to me. Think about it this way. If you went home and the stove is hot and you put your hand on the stove, you are going to move your hand really, really quickly. In the same way, when life's circumstances are not being thought of rightly, We want to remove them from us just as quick as our hand on the stove. We want to make ourselves comfortable again. And I can do that too. And I know you all can too. It it is still the indwelling sin that is in us. We live in this mixed condition where we're not quite glorified. We're waiting for, for that day to come and we are here fighting sin, and trying to pursue the Lord. It is truly a battle. Any questions? Continue on? Okay. Uh, And again, I, I would say this to all of us, and I'm saying this to myself, disappointments can happen fast, and they can happen very subtly. They, they can happen when you have an expectation, and then all of a sudden the expectation is not met. Uh, I can be grumbling and complaining and not even be aware of disappointment. And now let, let me just kind of back out and help you, uh, especially moms with kids when you see this in your little angels in your house uh, I would encourage you to be looking is there something here that could be a disappointment? Is there something here that could be discouraging them? So that you not give them what they're desiring but that you could shepherd their little hearts that you can see what's going on. Uh, I, I really don't think a whole lot of the I deserves I demands don't happen apart from the disappointment, and the discouragement that may happen. So it, it's I would say as you think about this, as you are observers of your, your family, think about how can I be shepherding my children. Or for those in my age category, it would be grandkids. But it's I, I see that even in little ones. They, they're not trained to do this. It's disappointment and... Then there's disputing, there's discouragement, and then you just see the, they kind of checked out a bit. I uh, hope my grandkids don't listen to this message online because they'll think I'm talking about them, but, uh, but I'm just talking about the way all of us, the way we battle sin. Uh, I, let me. I want to read another quote about listening to yourself. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones wrote a book called uh, "Spiritual Depression: Its Cause and Its Cure," and he—it's a 21 or 22 chapter book—and they're manuscripts of messages that he taught in a row about spiritual depression. And uh, being he's a little bit older than all of us. He's now passed away, but he had a little elderly woman that shorthanded every one of his messages and uh, then longhand it and gave it to him and that's what became the book. It was it was twenty one or twenty two uh, sermons that he preached and, and here is a statement he made. The problem we have is that we listen to ourselves when we should be speaking to ourselves. And, and I'll kind of, for you, have a, a flavor of what I mean. Listening to yourself would be, oh, that is so hard. That is really difficult. Why did this happen today? And talking to myself would be saying, God, this is obviously what you have for me today. Uh, I'm not minimizing. that This is hard. But, God, I know I can trust you in this. Uh, I want to go back to the fruit of the Spirit just for a quick second to, to give you a thought. <laughs> In the fruit of the Spirit, we are called to be gentle. And if you listened when I taught back in January, I, I expanded that quite a bit. Gentle is really a weird word in our language when you consider it's a fruit of the Spirit. Because we use gentle, you would think, oh, he talks so softly, or he just touches so lightly. That—that That is not it at all. Uh, Charmin says their toilet paper is gentle. And, and I say this just to, to make you realize this is a weird word, and here's what it means. Biblically, for me to be gentle, is I could just sit back and say, God, I trust you. And I'm okay with with what you're doing here. Help me to walk in obedience. That that is talking to yourself. Is when you are recognizing who God is, where you are replacing your your own little throne of thinking you are the queen of your life, that everything should go this way, and you can sit back and say God I, I know this is for my good because he promises it's for our good, so here, I, I want you to see the difference between listening to yourself and talking to yourself because um, again, it, it's We're telling ourselves, we can be telling ourselves, what I desire, I deserve, and I'm demanding it. This diagram here is a failure of what it looks like when we have failed to shepherd our hearts. So let me continue on the circle here. Uh, If this goes unbroken and the disappointment continues, I I realize for some, you, you may not get to a point of despair. You may not be the type that gets depressed. But you can still swirl in your disappointment, your discouragement, your lover of pleasure. But what, what can happen here is you become envious and jealous. Everybody else's life looks so easy. We become ungrateful. We, we, we become unthankful. Uh, and I, I pause in that because I just shared with Chris a story. And convicted by my very words at this very moment. We can become anxious. We could become angry. We could become vengeful. We could be overcome by evil. How about this one? Prayerless we We can just give up all hope in depending on the Lord. We 're without peace. We can bite and devour one another We're, we are hopeless, and apart from you shepherding your heart, and shepherding your mind, you can swirl in this day after day after day, week after week, year after year, in this circle, in this style of life, and this life behavior, continues and continues. We, we can doubt God, we doubt God's goodness, doubt his faithfulness we doubt our closeness to God worship is so hard we question what God's doing uh, but I tell you what there is good news so let, let us go to the good news and that is the, uh, the blues scale this is a tool for correct thinking And back on your handout, it'll say, Shepherding My Heart, Thoughts, Reasonings, Diagram 2. It's the blue circle. And it's the, I desire what I truly deserve. What do you truly deserve? And I relinquish my perceived rights. There are no demands. And again, still on your handout, it should say, What I must tell myself when my Bible is no longer open throughout the day regarding what I truly deserve. And I'm, I'm going to give you just a few verses. I'm going to read them. Uh, Proverbs sixteen one and 2. Uh, to man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. Proverbs sixteen nine. <clears throat> Excuse me. If his heart, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So so it's thinking rightly of who's truly in control. Proverbs 21:2. A man's ways seem right to him, and the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 28:26. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. And lastly, James 4.13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we go and do this or that, go to that city, spend a year here, carry on business, make money. Uh, Here's the thing. This is not condemning somebody for making plans for tomorrow, but rather it's when we plan and we don't include the Lord in our plans. So in, in the midst of life coming at us, how do we speak to ourselves? And, and on your handout, it should say, too, what I must tell myself throughout the day concerning what I truly deserve. Tell you what, I would love for you to uh, just open your Bibles and let's go to Romans chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. And we're going we're to look at a few verses. And, and Scripture is clear. It tells us what we deserve. Apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ in your life, in my life, Scripture is clear what we deserve. Romans 2, 5, and 6. Uh, but because of your stubbornness, because of we are so stubborn, in your unrepentant heart you are storing up wrath again, against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When His righteous judgment will be revealed, God will give each person according to what He has done. S- scripture is clear. We deserve, apart from the work of Jesus Christ, we deserve wrath. Flip a couple pages to Romans 5, 6 through 12. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, at the perfect moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from wrath. Verse 10, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received this reconciliation through Him. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all men because all sin. Here's what scripture says. Apart from Jesus Christ, you and I deserve death. If you're wondering what you think you really deserve so far, we, reserve, we deserve God's wrath and we reserve I have a hard word with deserve. Hard time with deserve. Deserve. Uh, we, we deserve death. We deserve deserve to be completely separated from him. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God tells us over and over and over again in his word, we deserve death. Here's the thing. The worst day here on earth is better than we deserve. No matter what your circumstance, what your trial is, your worst day is better than what God's word says we deserve. Uh, Roman numeral three on your handout. What I must tell myself throughout the day concerning my perceived rights. And it's the picture. If you went to go to second Corinthians chapter 12. I, I know that you're all very, very familiar with this passage. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, it's the passage where Paul is is talking about uh, what happened on the Damascus Road. He's talking about his vision, being with the Lord. We know he sees Jesus, and he gets to verse 7, and he says, especially because of these extraordinary revelations, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in my flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan, to torment me. I did not exalt myself concerning this. I I pled with the Lord three times to take this away from me. I am sure for all of us, there, there has been things in our life where we have pled with the Lord probably more than three times. Lord, please change the circumstance. Lord, please take this from me. And, and, and here is the relinquishing of perceived rights. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me, so that I take pleasure in weakness, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, so here's the thing. <clears throat> Paul. It's a picture of Paul relinquishing all rights. And if anybody had a right, wow, he wrote most of the New Testament and, and he can set aside what his desire was. Lord, take this from me and say, God, what you have for me is perfect. So let, let's spend a little time on, on the circle here. So it starts with, the same desire, but recognizing what you truly deserve. God, I deserve wrath. I deserve death. And then it's the ability to say, God, this is what my desire is. And Lord, I trust you. I could, my, Your grace is sufficient for me. And then you have the attitude of, if the Lord wills. Remember, on the first circle, it was you're wise in your own estimation to... Lord, this is what your will is for me. The the second is, love does not seek his own. Not wise in your own estimation. Uh, There's humility. There's a humbleness of saying, God, what you have for me is okay. I could could set aside what I thought I really wanted and what I thought was really best. God, you are in control. If you get to a point of disappointment, it's short-lived because you are talking to yourself. You are telling yourself truth from God's word. You can be patient, and this is going back to the fruit of the Spirit that we started with. I, I can be patient in my waiting. I can be thankful in the, in the midst of hardship. I can be forgiving. I can be gentle. I can be kind. Uh, I can be loving. And here, here's where we're at. We're We're dependent. Are you okay, am I okay with being utterly dependent on the Lord? And I submit to you, the only way we can be okay is by being near Him. If we are living a life and we are living in a manner that is so far from Him, you will never feel, I can't imagine feeling comfort of feeling dependent on the Lord when I have chosen to live 23 miles away from where he may be working. And I say that as just trying to give you a far distance away. But you, you're, we're never going to be dependent if we aren't near him. We can be content in our circumstances. We, we can just recognize our need for strength, need for endurance, need for, for self-control. To be joyful. We, we can be hopeful in the midst of things not being our plan A, but but waiting for, for the Lord as he unfolds his plan A. We're not vengeful. We're devoted to prayer. It is so hard to pray. If you've ever felt hopeless, it, it is a hard place to, to have your heart and your mind and pray. But, but to be hopeful, God, I know you're in control of this we can still continue to pray. We could continue to depend on Him. We could be at peace. Because the peace doesn't come from our circumstances. Our peace comes from the nearness of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We overcome evil with good. And sometimes trials last a little bit longer, and you continue to speak truth to yourself. And again, I'm going to point out the gentleness from... From the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, it, it, it's the same. I'm just getting a brief segue. It, Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five It 5, says, blessed is the meek. Some versions say, blessed is the gentle. They will in, inherit the earth. Uh, I need to be content with what God's doing. So, here we go. If we are walking recognizing and setting aside our perceived rights. We're talking to ourselves. We're reminding ourselves of what we truly deserve. Any disappointment is short-lived. Uh, and and I can understand what God says, what I truly deserve. I, I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I can say, this really is a person. questions Uh, on on the circles. This is your chance to stump the elder. Uh, Guys, I I wish I could come and give a a message like this and say, hey, figure it out once and one and done. We would never be dependent on the Lord. I, I, I asked it earlier and I'll ask you again are you okay, and you're going to need to ask yourself, and I'm not here to ask you, are you okay being utterly dependent on God? Or do you want to live a life where you want to depend on yourself? It is so easy for us to do that. And and I have to remind myself, I'm okay with being utterly dependent on the Lord. This is much better than what I deserve. If no questions, I will close with prayer. But I'm really a-okay. If anybody has a question, was I really that clear that there's no questions? That's hard to believe. But let me pray. Father, I just praise you for being a God that is so long-suffering. Father, I... I praise you, Lord, that you just did not snuff out the entire world at the time of the first sin. Father, I praise you, Lord, that in the midst of sin, you gave us a Savior. Father, I pray, Lord, for myself and I pray for my friends here, Lord, that we would just grow... In our trust of you, Lord, for all of us, some more than others, there there are challenges and there are circumstances that can so easily distract us. Father, may we be quick to remember that, that you are a God that is working out all things for good for those that love you. Father, may we be quick to remember the truth of Romans. Eight, that nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Father, may we live our life utterly dependent on your grace, on your spirit working in us, and on the reality of your Son who lived a perfect life, was murdered on a cross, was buried, and rose again. And we pray all that in his name. Amen.